Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. Brady Farkas of WDEV in Burlington, Vermont, and a 2008 Shenandoah High School graduate will join me later to wrap up the New England Patriots season. Let's talk a little bit about uh, NFL. Get a chance to do a commentary once in a while. It's been a while, but let's, let's talk about what happened in Super Wild Card Weekend. It was a uh, not, not a great weekend of football. Uh, five of the uh, six home teams won. The lone uh, visiting team who won was the San Francisco 49ers over the uh, allegedly America's team, Dallas Cowboys. Of course, I'm an Eagles fan, so I'm going to hate the Cowboys anyway. But uh, I want to start with my Eagles. Uh, you know, the, you know, they, they made the playoffs unexpectedly this year with new head coach uh, uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, it was Dick Sirianni, the head coach Jalen Hurts, really the first full season as the starting quarterback of the Eagles. And you just didn't know what they had. And they got off to a terrible start. And you know, people were calling for uh, Sirianni to be fired and Jonathan Gannon, the uh defensive coordinator to be fired and I was one of those people called for Sirianni to be fired to be honest with you because uh, I just didn't like the way they were playing they were just making some silly mistakes and not using the running game but uh, uh, they turned things around they got the running game going and became one of the best rushing teams in the NFL this year and they uh, at one point one to five but they managed to you know, roll and get going and ended up uh, Nine and eight in the regular season. Of course, the seventeen uh, game schedule this year, eighteen week season. So yeah, it seems weird to say nine and eight for your record for the season. But uh, yeah, I saw a lot of improvement in that Eagles uh, offense. Uh, great offensive line. The defense did okay. I mean, they had some moments where I think Gannon decided to be passive on uh, you know pressuring the quarterbacks, and it was a little frustrating at times, especially against. Teams that they should not have problems with, uh, particularly the New York Giants. They had a, you know, a couple. They had lost the Giants at uh, East Rutherford in a game they should have won, and they had a slow start against them in the rematch in Philadelphia, but they ended up pulling away. And they had some issues with the Washington football team uh, for the two games that they played, but then eventually also won those games. Now, their, court, their game against Tampa, the uh, wild card game against Tampa on Sunday, was it a good? No, they were awful. It was it was, it was just it was a disappointing effort. Uh, I think they were just really. I played, think they played scared. I mean, uh, yeah, they gave Brady the ball to start the game, and uh, it was a questionable of roughing the passive penalty, and uh, the uh, Buccaneers end up going on down, scoring a touchdown. They just they controlled it. It was thirty-one uh, nothing. Jalen Hurst looked didn't look good, and yeah, you know, they didn't really you know get opportunities to throw to uh, Devontae Smith, their talented wide receiver, and I think that was a mistake. Um, but uh, now, now, am I mad at the Eagles' loss? No. Am I disappointed? Of course. But I, my expectation for the Eagles this year was uh, maybe six wins, seven tops, and playoffs? No way. There was no way we're gonna, they were going to make that playoff. And if you remember last year how bad the NFC East was, uh, you know, Washington ended up winning with a, a losing record. Everybody in that division had a losing record. And it was just, yeah, to me, it was just making the playoffs was gravy. I mean, I just, I, 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 I like to see what happens next year. They'll have a tougher schedule next year. Uh, but they'll, they'll also they'll play AC South, so they'll get Jacksonville, so that won't be that tough. And the Houston Texans probably won't be that tough. But, yeah, obviously, the, your divisional opponents, Giants, 
Washington and uh, Dallas. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I, I, I like what's going on with the Eagles. Uh, I know a lot of people point out that they made their mark, you know, get their, a lot of their wins against teams with losing records. Well, you got to do that. You got to beat the teams that aren't good. Uh, they did struggle against the winning teams, and I think that'll change. I mean, Sirianni's going to learn from this. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to learn from this. And I think Eagles fans need to be patient. I mean, I, my son listens to a lot of sports talk radio down in Philadelphia, and I think Jalen Hurts has really been the main topic. Is he, is he the quarterback of the future? I, I think you got to give him time. I, I mean, this was his first full year as a starting quarterback. Was he perfect? No, far from it. Uh, but I, I think he got better. And I think the injury that he suffered that caused him to miss a game, maybe uh, get a, he had a chance to sit back, look at film, and see what he could do better. And I think he was a lot better in the second half. I mean, he, he did, he's going to learn. To, he'll learn. He's going to grow from this. I think we're all impatient in this day and age of social media. We want uh, you know the best quarterback. I mean, I mean, sports. Some of the sports talk uh, uh, hosts down in Philadelphia want to have Aaron Rodgers uh, be an Eagle next year. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, do we? Do I want Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, that's a that's a rental at that point because we. That, how many more years does he have left of him? And I, I and. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if I want Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Russell Wilson's been talked about, but uh, he's got some miles on on his tires, and uh, who, maybe maybe he needs a fresh start. Maybe a, uh, Philadelphia would be a good spot. I I, I think they got to be patient with Hurts. They Howie Roseman drafted in the second round for a reason. Uh, you know, I guess he, he was, of course, he was not, not happy with Carson Wentz. And I think that you know set in the motion Wentz playing so bad in 2020, and you know, that continued with the Colts. So I mean, Colts fans are probably wondering what's going to happen with Carson Wentz. But that's another time for uh, yeah, that, that's not, not Eagles fans worry anymore. I, give Jalen Hurts time. I think he's going to. I think he's a good dude, and I think he he'll he'll get there. Just give him time. I think yeah, next year will be a, a big year for him, and I think he'll be a lot better quarterback for the Eagles. And I think they'll find that balance with the running game and the passing game. Uh, and they got to get Devontae Smith more touches. There's no doubt about that. One guy I don't want to see on the Eagles anymore is Jalen Rieger. Uh, he was a first. He's been a first round dud. Uh, you know, he, he dropped a muff to punt there in that game against Tampa Bay, and it cost him a touchdown. He's just been he's been been a good player, and it's it's it shows. And I think it's time for Eagles cut uh, ways uh, cut ways with him. Um, meanwhile, even though the Eagles lost, I was a very happy man on Sunday because the Cowboys lost. Uh, I just love the fact that all the uh, experts out there, quote unquote experts, I should say, out there. We're talking like all oh, the Cowboys are back after they trashed the Eagles in the uh, regular season finale. Uh, a couple Saturdays ago. But ignoring the fact, ignoring the fact that the Cowboys were playing against second, third, and fourth stringers. Yeah, I could you know, rack up 500 yards of total offense against uh, second, third, and fourth stringers. I mean, the, that game for the Eagles meant nothing. They, they had a chance to finish as high as six in the, in the playoff, for the playoffs, but yeah, they, they didn't need to win that game. I mean, if... if uh, San Francisco had lost to the Rams in New Orleans, uh, which they did beat uh, Atlanta. Uh, the Eagles would have been the sixth seed. But to me, that was that was a smart move by Seriani not to play his starters. Um, now the Cowboys, which we saw against a better team, 
in San Francisco, and they, they struggled, and Prescott struggled. And, of course, you're going to talk, everybody's going to talk about for years to come, that running play at the end of the game with no timeouts left and you know not letting the umpire touch the ball when they should have been they got to hand the ball to the official before that's be touched first before they can start replay it was just that was just inexcusable i mean that's to me for mike mccarthy he's he's got to answer that why they went with a running play there and with no timeouts and Really, they, they could have done a couple of Hail Marys at that point. They'd been better off doing that than trying to run the ball. So the, the Cowboys deserve to lose. I mean, they, they were manhandled for you know, two and a half quarters by San Francisco. I mean, it was an interception by Garofalo that you know, caused the Cowboys to come back in that game and made it interesting. Uh, so, But I'm, I'm very happy that the Cowboys were eliminated. It's... Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of the Cowboys. Never have been a fan of the Cowboys. I'm, you know, I'm telling you that right now. Uh, so I mean, to me, they have they have a lot of questions uh, there too. Like I said, you know, I, I, I like the, like the fact that uh, Prescott, you know, supposedly got better and the offense got better against the Eagles. That didn't show up against the uh, 49ers. Um, also, the, uh, the fans after that game were throwing uh, debris at the, the officials as they were walking off the field. And uh, in the post-game press conference, uh, Prescott gave the fans credit for doing that. As a native of Philadelphia, we, uh, we have a reputation as being bad fans. We boot Santa and we add noise and we hear that all the time. But if that incident happened in Philadelphia where officials were throwing, or fans were throwing uh, debris at officials... That would have been story for days in the national media how bad the Philadelphia fans are. I think we get a bad reputation in Philadelphia. We do. I mean, some of it's deserved, some of it's not. I think a lot of fans or a lot of the media forget. You look back, you know, Flyers and the Philadelphia Flyers and the Petra Penguins hated rivals all these years in the National Hockey League. But when Mario Lemieux came back from his cancer treatments in 1992, uh, um, the fans or uh, you know, the fans there in 1993, I should say. The fans, um, his first game was back in Philadelphia, and the fans gave him a standing ovation. Uh, that, that rarely happened. And when Mario retired the first time after the 1997 Stanley Cup playoffs, he was saluted in Philadelphia as well. So, you know, spare me your uh, fake outrage about Philadelphia fans being uh, the worst in, in the country. They're not. I mean, you see things on you know, social media these days, on Instagram, Twitter, all these fights in the stands, and uh, uh, just uh, enough already about you know, Philadelphia fans being the worst in, in the country. Give me a break. I mean, there's, it's you know, start, let's start pointing out other cities that have terrible fans. I'm I'm, I'm tired of being you know, seeing the Philadelphia fans getting you know, raked over the coals every time something happens. Um, I don't think anything's been made of the Prescott situation. And that's to me, that's wrong. I mean, somebody's somebody's got to speak up about that. And the other games that we saw uh, over the weekend, uh, good for Cincinnati. I'm happy for the Bengals. I mean, they've the franchise has been you know, uh, not cursed isn't the right word, but they just have just all been down all these years and hadn't won a playoff game since uh, uh, Sam Weich was coach and uh, back in the early '90s. So yeah, to see them win against the Raiders, it was it was a good thing. I, th- I mean, this Cincinnati team, I think, is a, a team on the rise. I mean, Joe Burrow, you know, coming off the torn ACL last year, has you know, really had a nice season, and uh, he might be the best quarterback in the state of Ohio right now. As Baker Mayfield's got some issues there in Cleveland, 
know, for the Raiders, I do feel bad for their fans I mean, and the team. But it's the second time I've at least I've seen them be uh, uh, get screwed over on a, on a bad officiating call. Because remember the Tuck rule back in the uh, 2001 uh, AFC Divisional Series against New England in the game that the Raiders were about to win. And then, um, of course, uh, there was an inadvertent whistle. Even though the, the, there was a, the, the, the touchdown did stand for the Bengals, and uh, it was just it was the wrong decision. Apparently, as it, as it turned out, because it should have been a, a do-over situation. Uh, so, I mean, I, I do feel bad for the Raiders, but uh, yeah, good for the Bengals. I mean, they're going to have a tough time against Tennessee. I, I mean, that, that's that to me is an intriguing matchup. Although I, th- I can see Tennessee uh, winning that game. And, of course, uh, we'll talk more about the New England-Buffalo uh, uh, matchup uh, with uh, Brady Farkas in a few minutes. But uh, Buffalo, man, they look good. Uh, they just looked so good against New England. Uh, and that we'll see them play Kansas City on Sunday night in uh, a rematch of the AFC Championship game last year. And that, yeah, I mean, I, I think that game go either way. But I think you get, got to give Kansas City the edge because they're home. Although Buffalo did beat them in Kansas City earlier uh, this season. So I expect a very close game. Uh, Green Bay will take on San Francisco. I Honestly, I, I don't see uh, San Francisco getting another road victory against uh, this time. You know, Aaron Rodgers, they're on a mission to try to get back to the Super Bowl. And I think we're going to end up seeing a rematch uh, of uh, last year's AFC or NFC champion. Yeah, I can talk. Last year's NFC championship game, I think Tampa Bay takes out the Rams. So we'll probably see another Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Or as Chris Berman used to say, the, or as it was actually Pete Axelum who coined the phrase, the late Pete Axelum back on, on uh, ESPN back in the day, the Bay of Pigs when uh, Tampa Bay and Green Bay were actually in the same division in the NFC. So I... So my, I think my picks are going to be uh, Tennessee, uh, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and Kansas City. So thank you for uh, letting me uh, have a little commentary about uh, the NFL playoffs. Uh, coming up, I'll speak with Brady Farkas of WDEV Radio in Burlington, Vermont, also a 2008 Shenandoah grad. We'll talk about the New England Patriots season. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. What's your favorite high school sports memory? A late-inning rally? A game-winning shot? A photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late-night bus ride home after a hard-fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Union Men's Hockey Coach Rick Bennett. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. After missing the NFL playoffs last year, the New England Patriots made it back to the postseason this year. 
but they were limited by their AFC East rival, the Buffalo Bills. Joining me to talk about the Patriots season is the host of the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV in Burlington, Vermont, and the Elevate 02 podcast. Here is 2008 Shenandoah High School grad, Brady Farkas. Brady, welcome back to the podcast. Ken, thanks for having me again. How are you? I'm great. How are you? How's uh, the New Year treating you so far? Yeah, well, life is good. Life is busy, but life is good. Sadly, we have a little less football to care about now, though. Yeah, yeah you and me both. My Eagles got uh, eliminated by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday, and uh, yeah, they didn't show up for three quarters, but that's the way it goes. But let's talk about you. I, mean, I think you know, in a way you can you compare the Eagles and the Patriots, neither team was expected to really make the playoffs, the, uh, you know, well, you know, the Eagles, you know, with situation, first-year coach, head coach. But Belichick, you know, coming off the season, the first season without Tom Brady, they don't go to the postseason. What, you know, what were the expectations coming into this season? My expectations were the Patriots to do exactly what they did, exactly what they did, 100%. I think they achieved every expectation I had for them. Look, they spent $175 million dollars last offseason. You don't spend $175 million if you're looking at a three-year rebuild. You're expecting to be competitive right away. Now, I never thought the Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl, but I always thought they had an opportunity to get to the playoffs. You know, you can go back to what I was saying about this team in July and August, and I was saying about whether it was Cam Newton or Mac Jones. It didn't matter to me who the quarterback was. I thought this team and this roster with this schedule had an ability to go 10-7 and or 11-6 and make the playoffs, likely as a wild card, but they would have had an opportunity to contend for a division championship. And they did that until week 18. So they did exactly what, what I expected them to do. I thought they had an, I thought they were, you know, had an ability to win one playoff game and it didn't happen. Um, you know, the matchup in this case didn't work out in their favor, but if they had ended up playing the Raiders or if they ended up playing the Chargers if the Chargers had made the playoffs, I think they absolutely could have won that one playoff game. So um, I think the season was a success. Generally, when you hit expectations, I think that it's a, uh, you know I think that it's a successful year. It came to an end that that none of us wanted to see, and it came to an end in spectacular fashion. And they limped to the finish line. But you know, when you step back and, and, and kind of remove yourself from the immediacy of Saturday night, I think all in all. They, they did what they were supposed to do, and there were a lot of positives to take away from the season. I know I had you on to start uh, our NFL preview show, and uh, you we talked about the whole quarterback situation. You were a Cam Newton guy, and then Mac Jones you know, basically won the job in, in uh, training camp. Looking back now, I mean, just are you surprised with his success? I mean, did they, did they set Mac Jones up to be to have a, a great rookie season? I'm not surprised with Mac Jones' success. I think this team has built a structure that can that can insulate the quarterback. And that's what we ask all teams to do. We ask all teams to, to fortify things around the quarterback and, and do things to make him successful. They went out and they got him the biggest offensive line in the NFL. They brought back Ted Karras. They brought back Trent Brown. They went out and drafted another bulldozing running back in Ramondre Stevenson. So they had the run game in place. They had the line in place. That helps the young quarterback. They had a veteran defense. They still went out and fortified that in a big way by signing Matthew Judon and Devon Godshaw. So, I mean, they they put the, the infrastructure there for any quarterback to be successful. And it's why I maintain, and I, and I know people laugh at this, and I know how he played in Carolina when he got there, but 
if Cam Newton was the quarterback and was healthy, there's the qualifier, I think he could have done the exact same thing that Mac Jones did, been a caretaker of the offense and just kind of guided along. Now, the offense would have looked different. Mac did more things in the throwing game than Cam would have, and Cam would have done more things in the running game. The running game would have been even better had Cam been here. But the system was in place for a quarterback to come in this year and be successful. How important is that for Jones' confidence moving forward as you know, he you know, progresses in his career? I mean, the Patriots, I think the singular biggest question for them this offseason is they have to figure out who do they want to be moving forward. Because once they answer that question, that will shape everything else they do over the course of the offseason from where I'm sitting. If they want to continue to be this bully ball team, and just let Mac Jones kind of put his hands at 10-2, and two, well, then you're attacking the offseason one way. You're probably re-signing Trent Brown. You're probably re-signing uh, Ted Karras. You're maybe drafting a, a speed back to pair with your two power backs. You're fixing the defense. If you want to play run-first defensive football and get hands at 10-2 and two for Mac, you're doing one thing. If you say, hey, it's year two, we want him to be the guy that really leads the offense in the way that Joe Burrow's doing in year two and the way that Josh Allen is now doing, well, then you're doing something different. Are you signing Devontae Adams? Are you drafting a wide receiver at number 21 overall in the draft? So they need to figure out who they want to be and then go all in on that philosophy when it comes to free agency and the draft. Um, as for Mac's confidence, I, I, I think he – you know, should recognize that he's got a great head coach, he's got a great offensive coordinator and Josh McDaniels, who's still there as of now, and he's got a lot of veterans around him on offense, so I, I think there are reasons for the arrow to be pointing up. You mentioned Josh McDaniels. I'll ask this question as we talk here on, on Tuesday, uh, January 18th. I mean, he was about ready to be named the head coach in the Indianapolis Colts a couple of years ago, but is he... In line to be the, the Patriots head coach if and when Belichick decides to step down? Uh, I think that a lot of people think that, and I think if, if he thinks that way, I think that's a fool's errand. I, I don't think that Josh McDaniels is getting the Patriots job. Um, not necessarily because he's not qualified, but I think that Bill Belichick is sticking around like he is so he can pass it off to Steve Belichick. I, I think that he wants to stick around for another three or four years until the point where Steve Belichick knows all he needs to know. Now, he's still going to come down to, will the Crafts give him the job? But I think that he wants, I think Bill Belichick wants to put Steve Belichick in a position to get that job when he's ready to leave. So I, I think if you're McDaniels and you're waiting for the Patriots job, I, I think you might be waiting for a really long time in that situation. Um, if, if, if another team wants to offer Josh, Josh McDaniels a job and, and he likes that job, I wouldn't turn it down because the Patriots might become available. I, I just think Steve Belichick is the guy who's next in line, and I've thought that for at least a year now. Wow. Um... I mean, Josh obviously was an unsuccessful coach in Denver. But is can he be a success, successful head coach somewhere? Man, you know, we could do a whole episode on just the Josh McDaniels saga. Um, I wouldn't hire Josh McDaniels as my head coach, and it has nothing to do with football. Um, I think clearly Josh McDaniels knows football. He can win it with different styles. He's won Aaron it out. He's won with Crown and Pound. He's won with Brady. He's won with Mac. He got he went seven and nine 
with Cam last year, an aversion of Cam that everybody told me was awful. He developed Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer, all to the point where, no, they're not all pros, but they all got starting jobs in other places. So Josh McDaniels knows football. I don't know that Josh McDaniels has the personality to go in front of the 53-man roster and inspire the room. And I get it. They're pros. They don't need rah-rah all the time. And, and the Rex Ryan types, they burn out at some point. So you don't need that. But I think what players need is they need to establish a relationship. And they need to have a coach that they can trust. And they've got to have a guy who can get in front of the room, motivate them, inspire them, talk to them, relate to them. And Maybe McDaniels is that guy, and we just don't get to see it a lot because he's not at the podium all the time. But I just don't see Josh McDaniels as a charismatic figure. And I I think you have to be charismatic. Again, you have to know X's and O's also, but you have to be charismatic. And Look, some guys are, are all bluster and don't have the X's and O's, and some guys are all... X's and O's and don't have the podium skills, you've got to find the guy that has both of them. I just don't think McDaniels has the podium skills. Are you saying that Belichick is a, has more, is more of an inspiring coach? I mean, you, you look, we watch him on yeah, post-game press conferences. He's, he's dull like anything else. But I, I think you step away from football. Belichick can be charismatic because he seems to be he open up a lot when he, he's not talking football or, or the well, at least the history of football. He can you know go... Yeah, you know, crazy, you know, crazy, but he, he's very eloquent and articulate about uh, you know things, and you wonder why we can't see that uh, Belichick at, at post game press conferences. Yeah, I mean, look, Belichick is—he's mastered the media game, and as media members, we don't have to like it, but he—he's uh, grandfathered into acting that way. You can't get away with that stuff now. The thing that insulates him and Nick Saban is that they've got the rings to prove it. So um, they can get away with, with having certain practice habits or certain in-game stuff. or in, They can get away with a lot of stuff you can get away with in the 70s and the gruffness because of how much they've won. Anybody who comes in now could never act that way. Look at Matt Patricia and why he didn't work. Look at Joe Judge and why he didn't work. Look at the long line of Belichick assistants who hasn't worked, who haven't worked because they've tried to be Belichick. Belichick gets away with that because he's got the rings to prove it. Same as Saban. Nobody else could come in and do that now. I gotta ask you, you mentioned Joe Judge there. Uh, the spectacular collapse of his tenure, I mean you know, the eleven minute speech he had after the Chicago Bears loss and it seemed like he just lost control down there with the, with the Giants. You know, I I'm admittedly you know further removed now from the Giants, but I liked Joe Judge at the beginning, especially, and I told you because of the podium, right? I loved his intro press conference. I love a lot of things that he stands for. Um, and look, he was only there for two years. I understand you can't give coaches five years these days, but uh, in the Twitter you know, quick reaction society that we're in. But he probably could have deserved another year out of that. But, you know, I get why they moved on. But I think Joe Judge just had a a lot of things go against him. And, and, I mean, look, he didn't draft Saquon Barkley, and he didn't ask for Saquon Barkley to get hurt most of the last two years. He didn't ask for Daniel Jones to be out a lot of this year, you know, and play with Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm. And, you know, he didn't ask for Sterling Shepard to be out most of the year and Evan Ingram to be hurt you know, a bunch of the time. So, look, that stuff happens everywhere, and that is why coaches get fired. But I think Joe Judge had a whole lot of bad luck and a whole lot of things 
working against him. Um, I do think that, you know, again, you got to be able to do the X's and O's and win the podium. But I think that Joe Judge is a guy leadership-wise that I do think can, can rally the troops. Yeah. Well, let's, let's wrap this up with uh, the, the way the Patriots season ended. You know, they had that Monday night uh, football victory against the Bills and the windy, cold conditions in Buffalo, a 14-10 game where Mac Jones threw two or three times in that game. They had the bye weekend, and after they come out of the bye weekend, you know, lose to the Colts, lose to the Bills, beat the Jaguars by 40, and then lose to the Dolphins. I mean, what happened in that stretch that cost them the AFC's title? We're going to be asking that question all offseason. I mean, Adrian Phillips said at the end of season press availability yesterday that, uh, you know, they're going to go into the offseason wondering what happened down the stretch. Now, I've heard people say that they thought that they were overconfident heading into the bye and that they were kind of uh, reading their own press clippings. That's not typical of a Belichick team. I I think it's a couple of things. They played better teams. The Colts should have been in the playoffs. So you lose to the Colts on the road in an atypical Saturday night game in a game that was the Colts Super Bowl probably. So you're playing a better team in a high-octane environment. The Bills are better than the Patriots right now. There's no shame in losing to the Bills. Now, they, the Bills played great when they came to Foxborough and won. But, you know, so there's no shame in losing to the Bills. The Dolphins' loss is the one that I would say is the bad one in all that. Um, so, you know, they were never as bad. They're, never, they're not as bad as they showed on Saturday night. And they were never as good as we thought they were in the course of their seven-game win streak. They were always someone in the middle. They were a team that could clean up on – the easy part of their schedule and, and on you know they caught some breaks in their schedule you know they played the titans without aj brown julio jones and derrick henry and rolled them. they played the browns without nick chubb and rolled them um without obj right after that had happened and rolled them so they were never as good maybe as we thought they were and they're definitely not as bad as they showed saturday night so i think you come out after the bye you halt your own momentum and then you start catching other teams that are better and that's where they got exposed a bit. I, I still think they're a good team. Now, the AFC is loaded. It's not a foregone conclusion that the Pats just get back to where they want to be because the Bills aren't going anywhere. Chiefs aren't going anywhere. Cincy certainly looks like they're pretty good. I, I never count out Baltimore from at least being relevant. And if Cleveland can figure their act out together, they should be good with their rosters. So, there are questions to answer this offseason. I still think the Pats are in a good spot, but there's a lot of teams in the AFC in a good spot. Okay, well, bonus question for you. Who advances this weekend to the next weekend's uh, championship games? Well, okay, let's see. Um, Bills, Chiefs, and KC. I'm going to say I, I'm going to take Buffalo in that one. Okay. Uh, they did win there earlier this year. Yeah, they did. Other AFC game. Uh Hold on, let me go to the NFC first. We got uh, Bucks and Rams. I think the Bucks are going to win that one. We got Niners, Packers. I got the Packers winning that one. And uh, AFC games, Cincy and uh, who, who I got Tennessee, here? Who am I Tennessee. Tennessee. I'll take Tennessee, but I have I don't have a whole lot of confidence in that. I, I just feel like you know, and I'm not bagging on Tannehill. Everybody wants to bag on Tannehill. I just think. They're trying to reintegrate Derrick Henry, and I don't know how they're going to do it. You know, like what? How? How? Do you want to force feed it to him, and he's not himself? Do you want to? You know, you want to try to establish him, and he just can't quite get going because he hasn't seen the field in two and a half months. I just think it's an odd time to have to reintegrate a piece. So, I think Tennessee will win, but I don't have a lot of confidence in that. 
Well, all right, Brady, uh, where can uh, people find you on social media? Yeah, on Twitter, at WDEV Radio Brady, and uh, live on the air, 530 to 7 at WDEVradio.com. Well, I appreciate a few minutes and uh, talking Patriots football with you, and I uh, can't wait to see, see, uh, hear that interview with Bill Daly on your podcast, the NHL Vice President, you know, number two man behind Gary Bettman. Yeah, the hockey podcast, me and a couple former NHL guys and a former NHL scout, so it's called the Elevate 02 Podcast. You can get it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And yeah, Deputy Commissioner of the NHL, Bill Daly, is, uh, is coming on tomorrow's episode. So uh, looking forward to people hearing that. All right, Brady, appreciate a few minutes, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Ken. All right, that's Brady Farkas. We'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette's You Pick a Football Contest in just a moment. The pro football season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette You Pick 'em Football Contest. Predict the winners of the weekly games via your You Pick 'em online account. The fan with the most correct points each week gets his or her name in the Daily Gazette on Thursday and wins a $100 ShopRite grocery card. The fan with the most overall points after 23 weeks wins a $1,000 travel voucher and could win a trip to Hawaii. For official rules, go to dailygazette.com slash football. The You Pick a Football Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Daily Gazette copy editor Andrew Puglis, and you're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Super Wildcard winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Contest is Bill Crester of Fort Plain. Bill wins a $100 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Bill. The Super Wildcard VIP winner is Andrew Krauntz of Glenville Beverage. I'll be announcing the weekly winner of the You Pick'em Contest. That winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. If you'd like to play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click the You Pick'em logo. The NFL Playoffs Divisional Round Weekend begins Saturday. You can see my picks and where you can watch the games by going to dailygazette.com slash category slash sports to see my picks and the TV listings. I was 5-1 and one in Super Wild Card Weekend. Of course, you heard that earlier in the podcast. Uh, I add on to my uh, regular season record. I am 176-103-1. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Brady Farkas for coming on the show. I'll have another podcast Thursday focusing on college hockey. I'll preview Union's weekend home games against Brown and Yale, the Dutchman's first games at Messerink in over a month. And my guest will be Josh Segan, who covers ECAC hockey for College Hockey News. And, of course, Josh has been a regular on the podcast. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, 
good day, good sports, and I'll leave you with a tribute to one of the greatest singers of all time, Ronnie Spector, who died last week at the age of 78. Here she is with the Ronettes with Be My Baby.